0: Um, We're going to start this morning with a reflection on where we're at. We can, as people who follow Jesus, get very focused on how we're showing compassion to other people and think less about actually how we're doing to show on what we're doing to show compassion to ourselves. But it turns out we're much more able to give when we know that we're okay and we know that we're loved and then we know that we're grounded in that love. And then when we offer this love to ourselves, then we have it to give away. I posted this on instagram this week that self-awareness or you could call it mindfulness asks the question what am i experiencing in this moment and then self-compassion asks the question what do i need Uh, kristen neff who is a self-compassion genius says that compassion has three components kindness common humanity and mindfulness and i've adapted one of her meditations for us for this morning I experienced this meditation during the week at a chronic disease program course that I was uh, taking on self-compassion. I feel like I'm being bombarded by it at the moment. Maybe there's something in that. Uh, so, but I thought it might help us, so uh, we'll have a go. When we can look at ourselves with an awareness of those three things, kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness, then we can become self-compassionate. Kindness shows up as love. When our hearts are open, we can embrace whatever arises in our experience with gentleness and with care. i to think for a minute. Can you think of a time this week
1: when you have spoken kindly to yourself? Hopefully there was a lot of ways that you've been kind to yourself,
0: verbally, internally, maybe even out loud, and then Here's the other one. Can you think of an occasion this week when you've been unkind to yourself?
1: Where you've said something to yourself or about yourself that you would never say about anybody else. I want us to practice speaking kindly
0: and give us an intention to be kind as we head into this week. So I'm gonna um, ask Josh to share the first slide. I'm gonna say these things while I'm looking at my hands like kind of like this when I hold my hands out just because it helps me to, to focus. So the first one, may
1: I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. Being aware that we are one among many, that
0: we are all subject to the human condition, that we all mess up, that no one is perfect and that no one leads a trouble-free life can help us have compassion on ourselves as well as on those around us. So let's just change the tense to include everyone, to include everyone who suffers or experiences life in all its random beauty, glory, and pain.
1: So Josh, second slide. May we be safe. May we be peaceful. May we be kind to ourselves. May we accept ourselves as we are. May we be safe. May we be peaceful. May we be kind to ourselves. May we accept ourselves as we are. And let's
0: turn it back to ourselves again. As we are in this moment and speak to ourselves gently, kindly, and with all compassion because we are dearly loved and we are known. The psalmist writes Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the
1: multitude of your tender mercies. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept my life as it is. And with that, we will come to the table as dearly loved children, safe under the shadow of the wing
0: of God, loved, known, and sheltered. And the table is set by Jesus and everybody is welcome. The invitation is to come. Come if you're thirsty, come if you're hungry, come if you're longing for connection, come if you're in need of mercy. Come like a child, take your seat, help yourself, and watch for your neighbor, pass them what they need. Move up and make space because the table is wide and long and open to everyone. During the meal, Jesus took bread and he gave it to his people, men, women, and children. And he said, eat this and remember me. If you have children nearby you, grab them because they get to take this too. The best communion I ever had was with a group of kids in South Africa. And the leaders said, okay, kids, you're running it today. And the kids went and got the, the bread and the wine and they came back and they gave it to the grown-ups and it blew my mind. So if you've got kids hanging around, grab them too. So Jesus passed out the bread, gave it to his people, men, women, and children, and he said, Eat this and remember
1: me. So let's eat together. You guys want to grab? And then after the meal, he took the cup and he passed it around.
0: He said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And
1: he said, drink this and remember me. So let's drink together. Jesus, thank you for feeding us. Thank you for
0: quenching our thirst. Thank you for mercy that is new for us every time we come to the table. We love you and we remember you. Mm -hmm. Amen.
2: All right. It is good to be here with you this morning. I am, uh, there I am. Okay, so this morning, it's great. We're gonna have a uh, just a short meditation here together and then we're gonna have another Community interview with someone in in our faith community who is in a compassion ministry. So the reading for this morning is from 1 Kings 19, 4, verse 8. And it's talking about Elijah. I've not had a chance to preach out of this text before, and I, it's very rich. I there are so many, I think, beautiful things we could learn from it. But the text says this: While he himself, Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. So much good symbolism there. I digress and move on. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. This is such an interesting account for a number of reasons, but what I noticed this time was was that it was a story with maybe kind of a a typical response to deep stress. If the, the story before there's peril and death and murder and running and destruction and chaos and in this verse actually just before this um and sorry but i just i'm going to focus on this as elijah's stress response and in the verse before elijah actually has a a servant or a helper that's with him and it's for whatever reason he's like no you don't need to come with me anymore and i wondered how many of us do that when we're stressed and for time's sake I won't say more on that, but I definitely see my tendency to do that. Things are getting hard. I better go in. I better go alone. I don't think that helps in the end. But what I do love that Elijah does is he demonstrates something beautiful that I think it's easy to overlook. He calls God out. It is a level of honesty that is, I think, a form of radical worship that we overlook. When we're invited to worship no matter what, let's include this kind of honest confession. He just lets the accusations and the whinging and the frustration fly. He thinks he's been doing God's work and it's almost been killing him for a long time now. And he finally yells out at God, I've had it. I've quit. Why don't you just kill me now? Because obviously I'm no use to you. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just done. Just finish me off. And I wondered, how often do we think that God is using us like a payment for services transaction? God isn't like that. But we can sure think that God is. You know, it's like the most vol- the most exhausted volunteer can, you know, that's that's who's really doing God's work. I wonder if we need to rethink that. And then Elijah's body speaks. And he falls asleep. Maybe, maybe a bit like a kid after a tantrum, you know, where he, maybe he's sleeping there and has that like, <sighs> and after a time, an angel wakes him up, an angel who does not condemn Elijah for calling God out, or for being livid, or for being hopeless, or for despairing. There's no, but Elijah, God is in control, or Elijah, God will not be mocked. Or Elijah, God is good all the time. Or Elijah, here's some information your brain needs to know to understand how to keep going when it's tough. Just an angel who says, oh friend, would you listen to your body? Let's take care of you, your personhood, your humanity matters. Here, here, eat something delicious. Drink something refreshing go back to bed. And Elijah is renewed by returning to care for his body. Our bodies hold stories and they often tell the deepest truth of what we truly need to be made right again. We could talk all Sunday about that. The intersection of medicine, faith and psychology are profound and it's a fascinating field. But for today, let Elijah remind you that you have a body and it's a good truth teller and it's a good pathway to connecting to what we need i've been doing a specific type of trauma-informed massage therapy for the last six months it's so woo-woo that i can hear my 20 year old self rolling her eyes at me seriously and yet my 44 year old self knows That eye rolling was just a 20 year old's way of protecting her vulnerability for years and years. So I have compassion towards that and a lot more openness to woo woo nowadays. I'm here to testify those massages are making a difference not just in my chronic tendency towards tight neck and shoulders, but in learning to be present and to appreciate my body as a resource in a way that I've never been able to do. So last week my massage therapist was guiding me to notice which parts of my body could feel held by the massage table. It was a telling moment. Hardly any of me was relaxing into the massage. I struggle with rest. I struggle when I have needs and I struggle to ask for help. I don't know if any of y'all can relate. I also like to think that I'm really good at giving those things making room for people to rest, making room to meet needs, making room to help others. I love doing those things. I have bucketfuls available, but the truth is you can't give in a sustainable way when you don't first build that resiliency and healing in yourself first. Elijah had a day's journey and he couldn't do it. So I'm learning to notice my body as part of God's gift to me. And it's It's better to be human than to try and be superhuman. But in that moment on the table, I decided to stop trying to figure out why with my brain. And I began to breathe and notice what my body was telling me about the tension that I was carrying there on the massage table. And I noticed something new. I felt shame, deep, deep shame for being there and for needing help. So I was trying to help the table hold me up. I was trying to help my therapist hold up the body parts that he was working on so that, you know, he wouldn't have to do so much work because he probably was really disappointed in me for being there. I wouldn't have thought of that on my own until I slowed down and paid attention to my body. I've always struggled with relaxing. That's not a surprise. But I couldn't see the shame I was carrying over being human and needing help. It was a moment of repentance. I had to change my mind. And I think Elijah needed someone to take care of him. He thought he was doing God's work and he had to run and hustle and murder and hide to get it done. And I wonder if we resist rest, actual rest, because we're just so disappointed to find out that we're human. We need rhythms of rest that include care for our bodies so that we can live from peace. And I I also want to acknowledge that some pathways of rest are available kind of depending on the level of privilege you have. It's easier for some than others. So I'm not suggesting for a moment that everybody has an easy time of making room for rest as others do. At the same time, we can have all the privilege, all the vacation time available to us and not ever find rest. Sometimes privilege gives us loads of ways to avoid the truth of our bodies. And Elijah invites us into a life of honesty and awareness where we can slow down, return to our bodies in breath and ask, how am I doing? What do I need? So rather than talking more and giving you more information that our Western brains love to think that we can fix everything by information, I thought we would do an exercise together that uh, was around rest. That I did a trauma care conference this week and it was so impactful for those of us that participated in it. We're gonna read through Psalm 23 together and focus on our bodies and our breath. And this is a breathing exercise that you can do anytime you feel overly maybe amped up and panicky, or when we've been overwhelmed into numbness and silence. It actually helps bring our bodies back into a place of connection. Returning to our breath can help us hear what we want and what we need. So just to set a little bit of context before we read through this, because we're gonna we're gonna imagine and, and allow that experience. To speak to us. But what if I told you that as shepherds, they were were often mostly young girls and young women, at least as frequently as they were young boys and young men, because the people that mattered the least in society got to be shepherds. So I wonder if that'll just change what you imagine or the message or the meaning that you make with your bodies, your brains, and your breath together. So as we do this exercise, what do you notice Sights, smells, feelings, sounds, there is no right answer, no right emotion. If you don't like what you end up feeling, I encourage you just to be curious and to notice it without judgment. And if not, you you are free to just let it go and return to your breath. Maybe as I read, you will hear the shepherd asking, how are you doing? What do you need? And whatever the woo-woo answer is, I encourage you to believe it. And maybe your experience in life has been that you have not known God as shepherd. Maybe you and God can have an honest conversation about that while I read. God is so secure. God is kind and good and safe, even if we're mad at God. So maybe you wanna participate from a place of what if? What if God could be your shepherd? Whatever you do, I invite you to stay present, primarily to your breath and your body And to notice i hope you experience genuine rest so first we're going to breathe twice you're welcome to breathe like this through the whole exercise if you like but we're going to breathe in for four hold for four and breathe out for four we'll do that twice and then i'll start reading so i invite you to get comfortable we're going to notice our bodies maybe plant your feet on the ground sit deep in your seat let your seat hold you if you can put your hand on your heart or open your hands, whatever posture feels right for you. And to breathe in for one, two, three, four, and hold it, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four. Once more in, two, three, four, and hold it, two, three, four, and out, two. Three, four. Continue your breath while I read. God is my shepherd. I lack nothing. They make me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside quiet waters. They refresh my soul. God guides me along the right paths for their name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, Return to your breath in two, three, four. Hold
1: two, three, four. And release two, three, four.
2: What do you feel or notice? It doesn't need an explanation to have been true. What do you need? How are you feeling? So I wanna invite Jen to join me on screen here. If you wanna share anything that came up for you during that time in the the chat and comments, you're welcome to do so. But uh, let's see if I can see, Jen is here on screen. Okay, I have to not see anything so I can see my notes here. But Jen, I'm glad you're here. Jen is a mental health educator and trainer, a curriculum writer for the BC Peer Support Training And after service, if you want to know more about Jen and the work she does, she's got a great website, PeerSupportEducation.com, or you can follow her on Instagram. It's uh, her her handle is LuminateJen, Jen with two N's. She's a part of our bridge community here. She lives in town with her family. Jen, we are so glad to have you here with us and to talk about your role in compassion forward work. Mm -hmm. Hooray and welcome. Thank Thank you. So um, for starters, what area of compassion does your job focus on? Like frontline, urgent need, personal development, systemic change, where would you place yourself there?
3: Well, I would probably say all of that. (laughs) So I worked in um, community mental health for 20 years before I launched my business now, what I'm doing now, and primarily what I, well, I don't know if I do one thing. I offer um, wellness workshops for people. So usually I work with organizations and um, right now I'm doing a workshop with Douglas College students. Um, It's all around self-care and creating a wellness plan and stuff like that. So I do that. Um, I also work with people who are supporting other people. So um, supporting practitioners to, uh, serve with a more recovery oriented lens. Um, you know, we work primarily with people who have uh, mental health issues and substance use issues. So supporting people to, uh, recover and, and get well. And it means doing a lot of work ourselves when we're in those roles. So I do a lot of work with that. Um, and the training I just wrote was released to the public, uh, a week ago, a week ago, over a week. And I've had a chance to deliver the training twice. Plus I wrote another one for Alberta health services a couple of years ago. So I've had a chance to do that one too. Anyway. So I, I would say my focus now is in supporting people to be better supporters. That's, that's probably, uh, my main goal is building community, uh, i I want to start working with organizations to support a more trauma-informed uh type leadership within organizations because a lot of people i mean in working in mental health for 20 years you hear so many stories of people being psychologically injured at work um among other i I also am very passionate about systems change um because a lot of our systems traumatize people so and I realize it takes like decades to change a system. So uh, I don't expect huge changes quickly, but I feel like every little thing makes a difference. So, um, and I think, yeah, anyway, I don't know if that's a lot. No, it,
2: it is a lot, but it's great. I, I, we need people like you that are going to be able to take like those long-term views of systemic change and be able to gently bring people into more awareness and and I love how it like to support people that are supporting others that's so important because we can't give what we don't have right and I think we really would love to separate mind body and spirit and they are separate but they can't be separated right so I love that you're you're leaning in and educating people to do a better job that way Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious so in doing that what kind of self-compassion do you need to keep yourself well-fueled for your job? If you're supporting people who are supporting people, how do you support yourself?
3: Mm, that is a good question. So, so one of the programs that I have been working with for whew, 15 years is a program where people, we create our own wellness plan. So you look at, you, first you look at hope. What is hope? Um, How do I practice hope on a daily basis? So for me, that has become a practice, especially during these dark times. It's really easy to get lost in hopelessness. So deliberately seeking out hope every day has become part of my daily practice. Um, I would say... Well, I don't want to go into all of the details of that program, but it's awesome. I would share it another time, but it will take up the whole time. So it it does a number of things, including looking at what do I need to do every day to take care of myself? Um, what are my triggers? And that has been a huge one for me is paying attention, kind of like what you were talking about before is paying attention to what's happening within my body. And I used to have, a, am a Enneagram five. <laughs> so, but I've done a lot of work on emotions. So like I, I am a very emotionally, uh, present Enneagram five, which tend to be in their heads. So for me, that has meant being, getting in touch with my body and what's my body telling me. So every day it's like, look like laying down. I also have diabetes um, and I think it sucks having a chronic illness, but the the positive thing, I guess for me, is that it has forced me to pay attention to what's happening in my body. So at any given time, I'm like, okay, what's happening within me right now? What am I feeling? Am I feeling tension? Um, Where am I feeling it? And then, and then because I I think about triggers and stressors, it's like, I go, okay, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? So then there's a little bit of deconstruction to go, okay, why is this happening for me? Mm -hmm. And then what can I do to support myself in it? So that's become, it's it's like multifaceted. It's like, I have to look at all those parts, but it always starts with paying attention to what's happening within me um, and my body and my emotions. And then what can I do to support myself? One thing I've started doing at the beginning of, like I do a lot of Zoom workshops and trainings. So one yeah. thing I have started doing at the beginning of all of them, and I, I would even <laughs> encourage us to do it here now, is to... Spend a a couple seconds or a couple. If you have a minute, just spend a minute and close your eyes and pay attention to what's happening in your body right now. And then it's important to label it. So I'm gonna like put a link here. I don't know if this is what you were after, but (laughs) it's great. So when we look at emotions, we want to sometimes we kind of keep them too big. And we go, I'm sad, or I'm tired, or I'm overwhelmed. And, you know, instead of, uh, and it, it's important to kind of go deeper, you know, are you really sad? Are you really angry? Or are you, or are you feeling rejected? Or are you feeling disappointed? Or are you feeling shame, you know, to, to go deeper into the emotion. So that feelings wheel supports kind of that digging into emotion. So are you angry? Are you actually feeling jealous? Are you feeling uh, violated or disrespected? So, so to learn how to label that emotion is really, really important. Mm. So, I always ask people to think about what your emotion is, and then type in the chat. Type in the chat two things that you're feeling. And I think it's really important to remember that um, nothing is mutually exclusive. So, you can be feeling um, like anxiety. Or I'd even go deeper than anxiety. I'd go like I'm feeling, um, I don't know, dismissed or fearful or I don't know, go deeper into it. And then, and then you could also be feeling grateful at the same time. So we can be feeling multiple things at the same time and that's okay. And, that, and part of it is like learning how to be with our emotions and let it be present without letting it define us. So, so let's just see where we're at right now. Let's just take a read because it's there. It's not going anywhere. Whether we see it or not, it's there, right? Yeah. So let's see what's there. And then the next question is, what will now that I know, what can I do to support myself? And I think sometimes we look also for other people to support us. But a big question is always, what can I do right now, knowing what I know about where I'm at? What can I do to support myself in this moment? Do I need to Go for a walk. Do I need to do some deep breathing? Do I need to like have a bath or listen to music or call a friend? What what will support me in this moment? Do I need to just sit and sit in in this emotion right now? Maybe I need to process it a little more. Um, sometimes we need to distract, and sometimes we need to to um, to be with it. So it it depends on kind of where we at because there's a line between feeling your emotion. And starting to like sink into self pity or rumination, like, so we have to figure out where that line is for us. So all that to say, that's been my practice is I do that every day, um, at any moment, and I'm not afraid of feeling sad. So if I'm feeling sad, I let myself feel sad, um, and and I have noticed because I didn't used to be that way, especially as you can imagine as a an year her. five, I I avoided emotion altogether. So now I feel like I'm able to process it and move on um and sometimes when I do like I I speak a lot and I do um like I speak in front of lots of people and I I do get nervous sometimes and I I find sometimes after I feel more nervous than I do before because it's like I often share I'm I'm like a sharer so I share details and I feel that vulnerability kind of hang over And I, you know what I'm talking, you know what I'm talking about. I do, I do. (laughs) I I used to think it was so weird
2: that I would, I would get nervous after like, and I think now as it's funny because, um, I would identify as an Enneagram eight and our numbers are connected, right? And I would, I think it really actually was more of a vulnerability hangover. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I've just been vulnerable. I feel like I'm going to
3: die. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have, I used to fight it and be upset. Why do I feel this way? Why do I, why do I feel this way? Maybe I should stop doing this because it's too much. And now I just know it's part of the process. I will feel it. And I did a workshop for, it was a bunch of, um, grant makers in the U S contacted me to do a wor- workshop on burnout. So I did it and I felt so, Oh, I just afterwards, I was like, oh, I just don't feel good about it. it. It went well, but it's just, it just every, no matter what, no matter how it goes, I always feel this. Right, so right. I just was like, you know what? It's going to happen. I'm just going like, to sit, sit with this yeah. within about three or four hours. It was gone. And yeah. sometimes before what, well, before I allowed it to be present, it would last for days and That's i'd be like why am i doing this i'm not doing my judgment is we're so prone
2: to like why or judging or is this good is it bad instead of just going it is this is what is and you're right like like trying to like i will spend days on something that i am trying to i don't want this to be here i don't want this to be true it's funny because for our zoom for school, our zoom check ins, we started doing the two word check in and two word checkout and nobody judged what anybody put in. We didn't try and fix anybody's feelings. 100%. It, it was just an amazing practice. And like you say, you can do that with yourself if yeah. and, and just kind of go, how am I feeling? How do I feel when it's done? That's yeah. great. I'm, I'm wondering um, for the work that you do, is there a way that our community can come alongside to support the work you do, or are there opportunities for people to get involved in what you do? Uh, Like, I know it's not the same as the food bank where they have like volunteer stuff. So how is maybe a quick idea or, or just like, how do we be a good friend to you? If, if this is more work that you're doing on your own, how do we do that? Mm.
3: Yeah, I am independent now, which has brought up a lot of really tough, feelings to, to be honest. It's wow. hard to not have the security of a job. Um, <clears throat> but I, I guess like I'm so passionate about this whole topic of because I think compassion and self-compassion are so interconnected. And um, I also think a lot of people, you know, I just want to throw this in there and then I'll get to your question. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people talk about burnout and compassion fatigue um, I don't believe compassion fatigue is a thing because compassion doesn't actually fatigue. Real compassion doesn't fatigue. Self-compassion fatigue is a thing where we're not taking good care of ourselves and then we're giving more than we're taking in. So it's like if we're taking, yeah, I really love, um, Sarah mentioned, uh, Kristen Neff's book, uh, self-compassion or her work um her partner chris germer has a book called the mindful self the mindful path to self-compassion and he talks a lot about um, compassion fatigue in there and how it's really because we're not practiced in taking care of ourselves Um, so that's something i'm really passionate about is like uh i don't think we can really serve people properly one one program i was in had a strong value of, we need to support people with unconditional high regard. How do you hold people up with unconditional high regard if you don't hold yourself up first, right? right? So I think that's a piece of it. Um, Anyway, so for me, I guess right now, I'm just trying to, uh, I mean, the material is out there for free, It's um, anyone can use it and it's for peer support, which is someone with mental health substance use issues. Um, is employed by like a a health agency to work with someone else. So it's a different type of uh, work other than clinical work. So it's more relationship-based connecting. I think it's uh, applicable for anyone who's in any kind of support work. So a mental health worker, a community support worker, Also, you know, churches can use it. So, um, it's there for you to access. There's 16 modules. It ended up being like 550 pages (laughs) that I wrote over COVID. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so you can access it. Um, part of my business now is, uh, I work with agencies to deliver the training live. So if you know of anyone that's looking for that type of, of uh, training. I do trainings for nonprofits, government agencies, and stuff like that. So
2: So if you, if, if we belong to agencies, organizations, especially those that deal with compassion giving, you would be able to come in and help with directing, like, how do we create an environment where self-compassion can be accomplished? So you're a great resource for any of anybody in our community that is involved in self-compassion to train the people doing the service giving, yeah?
3: Yes, great. and I'm starting also to work with, um, I, I'm planning on doing a master's in leadership coming up. I haven't applied yet, but that's been my goal for like 10 years. So um, I wanna start working also with agencies on uh, creating core values and strategic planning and stuff like that too, so.
2: That's fantastic. Um, I guess a, a final question that I would have, we asked last time too, is what in, in the area that you're working in, um, what is a bias, prejudice, unhelpful belief that you come up against um, that, that we could challenge in ourselves, like uh, in, in your mental health support services or when when people are like, do we really need to be trained in self-compassion? Can't we just keep doing good in the world or things like that? Are, are there some some biases that you come up against that would be helpful for us to unlearn?
3: Oh, my. <laughs> I can probably Not have enough have time. time. I don't know. <laughs> oh, geez. I wrote a whole module <laughs> <logical laughs> on unpacking biases. So okay. it's something that I'm pretty passionate about. Um, hmm the whole idea of biases because I think we're all biased all the time sure that we can't get away from our biases so um I mean I guess a big one is around mental health you know that like the way the media portrays mental illness um and yeah that's probably a big one but um and the stigma and self self-stigma around um mental illness or mental and substance use, especially substance use, Um, you know, and I I really believe that trauma and stuff has a big piece uh, in it. I don't know, it's really hard to peg it down to one because I think it's also, I think another one that comes up a lot is people get into this kind of work because they wanna help, you know, they wanna help people. And um, sometimes people don't understand what help means. So a big piece of what I do is support people um, to understand self-determination and that supporting someone means we create an ecology, um, that supports their intrinsic motivation rather than us coming around and helping. So we don't fix or save people We mm-hmm. create an environment where they can empower themselves. So things like when people say, Oh, I'm going to empower that person that always like, drives me crazy. because we don't empower, we don't have the power to give them. We, we can support people to create an, uh, we can create an ecology that supports someone else. So I don't know if that's a bias, but that's something that really um, I feel very passionate about is that no change can happen except from within, um, but we can support someone in that change. I highly recommend the the work of Parker J. Palmer. I don't know if you're familiar with yep. him. Yeah. Wholeness is one of my favorite books. So anyway, okay. I don't know if that answers your question. I no, could talk I for like hours
2: about this absolutely well and I remember when we met to talk last year too we just had such a great great connection talking about all there there are endless ways that we can learn to help one another better and I, I think what I'm hearing you say is that there isn't maybe one specific thing that we can challenge but we can challenge anything that might come up to get in the way of seeing ourselves or seeing another person yes and yes
3: yeah. thank you for distilling that it's like it's yeah because I gave you so much and you distilled it really very succinctly thank you yes I think I think it's it, I, it will boil down to this that we are wired and made to judge so when someone mm-hmm. says I'm non-judgmental it's impossible to be non-judgmental it's we're we wouldn't function in the world like sure. we need to be able to judge. So I think a big piece of life is realizing when we come into relationships that we're coming with our worldview, our experiences, our, our absolute, our, our little t truth, right. right. And we project that on someone else. Um, and this shows up a lot in like racism and like sexism and all that kind of stuff. So when we realize that we're coming into, uh, a conversation or a relationship with someone with all of our worldview we need to we need to be aware that it exists and then learn to step back and put it aside and try to connect uh we can't be objective but more objectively than than sure. otherwise sure. So, yeah. would you say that being aware of our judgments
2: lets us be like we don't have to try it. Like if we try and stop having judgments, it's a little bit like saying, don't think about penguins. Yes. Like it's impossible to actually do that. So but cool. if we can be aware that, Oh, I think this, or this thought, this yes. feeling, this, whatever. And that's where I'm yes. to bring back to your ideas of being like aware of what's going on in ourselves helps us to be able to go, Oh, I'm feeling really tense right now. Let's just notice that so that I don't have to like,
3: reacts unconsciously out of that hundred percent and it's not it's not that much different than the self-compassion practice it's about noticing what's there and then working with it so we are going to judge but we need to realize that we're judging so that we can try to listen uh to the other person's story rather than make project our own thoughts make room for curiosity So then we can actually ask questions that are like, maybe I don't know. Yes.
2: Yeah. I love that.
3: That was one of our core values in the training was curiosity because of that reason. so Right. Hey, why don't you
2: give us, I know that we put it up on our Instagram. What are the core, like these are your core goals, the core things that you're trying to achieve through your training for organizations and for people. Can you list
3: those off for us? Yeah, I can show you a really pretty drawing if I can find it. Uh, sorry I've got all these things right here okay the first one is hope and wholeness for all yeah uh and then shoot I can't find it right now um hope and wholeness for all acknowledgement which is about seeing people and except I I like the word acknowledgement because it's less it's not visual or listening you know for people who may have different abilities so acknowledgement is, a, is about validating someone about uh being present with them in their grief without tr- like say for example when someone's grieving being present with someone without trying to fix them mm-hmm. but acknowledging their pain um self-determination i hope i don't forget anyone any of them mutuality and reciprocity um respect equity and dignity um curiosity oh <laughs> I don't know if I remember okay. the other ones. You know what, There's you seven. guys, it is on
2: thank our,
3: thank you, Sarah.
2: It's on our, um, <laughs> yes. there it is, strength base. It's on our Instagram account. So the bridge underscore Abbotsford. We've got a great graphic from a day or two ago that we posted with some information on Jen and the work that she's doing. Uh, so just we're grateful for, for the compassion forward work that you're doing and that you are providing training and support for people who are constantly in compassion-based ministries. And really, if you're connected to people, compassion is going to be required of you in some way at some time. So I can see that your resources felt like following Jen is going to be a great thing for you to do. Follow her on Instagram, illuminate Jen with two N's. Um, because you're, we all need to grow in that ability to care for ourselves so we can continue to care well for others. Um, do you have a 30-second last thought that you would like to leave us with?
3: Oh, gee. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I have That's too so many fair. thoughts to, I to do 30-second one. <laughs> I, everybody is, is challenging for me. (laughs) Same.
2: There's so much information here that you want to share it with everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, how about we leave that as the final thought that the area of compassion and growing in self-compassion, being involved in compassion ministries is a broad practice, Mm -hmm. but one that we can step ourselves into and one that we can grow in and one that can bring the change and the kindness that the world needs.
3: Yes. Well, okay. I I thought of something. Just uh, give it to me. Compassion is part of being human, and I I listened to this great book by uh, Kelly McGonigal on the science of compassion, and she talks about compassion and self-compassion. And the thing about compassion is that um, the more we practice it the actual better it is for our own health, but you have to do it like altruistically. So you can't be tapping into compassion to get something back. You have to be doing it. like Yeah. yeah. So I just think our world is right now at a deficit of compassion. So anything to, to build compassion is something that's worth doing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm reminded just that God is,
2: an endless source of compassion. And I think sometimes we limit compassion because we're afraid we're going to run out. And maybe it's because we've experienced in our world that it seems like it's run out. But when we tap into that ultimate source of life and love, we actually can access a well that never runs dry, but it's going to require our intention and our practice. And so we're just going to pray for us before we go into our Q&R. God, I thank you For Jen, for the work she does, I pray you will bless her and give her refreshment, give her um, ideas and insight that are beyond her understanding on how she educates and teaches and interacts with people as um, she develops cultures of self-compassion and compassion. And I thank you for her role, for her work. you would bless her her family and the people that she interact with and i also pray for our community that we would learn from jen and we would um grow in self-compassion and that would fuel us into our compassionate work for other people so we thank you for that we ask for um moments of noticing where we might connect with compassion for ourselves and others this week in the name of jesus amen